Pucks with Hags is powered by Prize Picks, the exclusive daily fantasy partner of the CLNS Media Network. Welcome to another edition of the Pucks with Hags podcast, powered by Prize Picks, the exclusive daily fantasy partner of the CLNS Media Network. I believe this is the 69th episode of the Pucks with Hags podcast. No Gronk jokes, please. Uh, I am your host, Joe Haggerty. You can find my work at joehaggerty.substack.com. Uh, you can join with a premium membership and get all of my Bruins and NHL writing straight, uh, sent straight directly to your inbox. I also write for the Boston Sports Journal. Have a column there at bostonsportsjournal.com every uh, morning after a game day. I have uh, friends and colleagues with me today. Uh, Steve Conroy for the Boston Herald. Steve, thank you very much for joining us. And we also have Mick Collagio here. Mick, uh, please tell everybody where they can find your stuff. Uh, Rank Rap blog on game nights at home and uh, weekly at bostonhockeynow.com. Sunday uh, call on my right for, to support Murph with that site and also seasonal issues of the hockey news. And I come here. They let me in. There you go. Uh, and let's also thank Prize Picks. Uh, our sponsor for the show It's the largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America and the easiest and most and best way, most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Uh, I encourage you to download the prize picks app today and use the code CLNS for a first time deposit match of up to one hundred dollars. Uh, that's once again, download the prize picks app and use the code CLNS for a first deposit match of up to $100. And this is a pretty cool daily fantasy site where you actually pick players and then pick more or less for the stats. So you can actually go and uh, there will be a number and you pick more or less for like David Pasternak shots on net, Charlie McAvoy blocked shots, all that stuff in a game. It's a really interesting, different sort of format, the daily fantasy sports. It's pretty cool. Uh, more on that later, though. Let's get to the heart of the matter here. Uh, <coughs> The Bruins win last night, Steve, uh, and it was funny. Uh, we I forget who it was, but somebody asked Jim Montgomery today if that's just what the doctor ordered, and he's like, uh, I don't know if that's <laughs> not, what the doctor quite. ordered, but we'll, we'll take the two <laughs> points. Like, um, it's fits and starts right now for this Bruins team. Like, even when they win, it's not like a clean go up 3 nothing in the first period, coast to a 5-1 to one win kind of a thing. It's you know, go up three, nothing, have a crap second period where you allow the other team into the game. And then it's white knuckle in the third period, but um, they made the plays down the stretch. The special teams units both came up big at the end uh, and they did enough to get the win, stay out of overtime, execute in the third period. I mean, I think it was a pretty good first step from the losing and going to overtime and blowing the third period leads, but they're still obviously working towards, uh, you know, being playoff ready, which they're not right now. Yeah, and they really didn't close it out. They had to lean on Swayman to make make some huge saves. They yep. they, they they failed to get the puck out several times in that final minute. Um, there's there's a lot to be concerned about there. But I will the say the penalty was, the penalty kill was good though. Before that, that flat. was good. That penalty was, was good. excellent. That was good. Um, they're without a, a top four defenseman right now. Um, we knew going in that they were a little thin to begin with. So when Lindholm comes back, I think that'll it should help. Although these issues had had cropped up before he got hurt, yeah. um, but we'll see. I mean, they're a fragile team right now. We'll see if if finally kneeling one down, you know, gets them over the hump in that regard. Um, but you know, they're going to be playing a desperate team tomorrow night on the island. Um, you know, coming off a couple of big wins on the road. Uh, and then they've got Toronto, who's who can put up a lot of a lot of goals. 
So it's going to be it's going to be interesting. I mean, they've got Toronto twice in uh, next week, and Toronto could very easily cl- close that gap that they have with the Bruins right now. Yeah, they could if they keep playing well. No question. If the Bruins keep uh, treading water as they've done, uh, to Steve, what Steve's alluding to there a little bit. Um, I believe last night was the tenth game in a row they've allowed three goals or more. Um, yep. Going back to like early February, back to the the shutout well, they had of Vancouver, the second game out of the All Star break. Uh, three so count, counting uh, counting overtime and shootout. Yes, correct. So not quite three every game, but correct. Uh, for all intents and purposes, yes. For for our our purposes, it's like a sign that the the defense is not getting it done right now, and they're allowing more goals, and it's a little bit more wide open. They're certainly making more mistakes uh, defensively, and I, and to be honest with you, I don't really blame and fault the goaltending for a lot of what's going on. I think they're just allowing a lot of really good chances and and having leaky defense at times. Uh, there's a, you know, maybe a soft goal here or there, but uh, that has not been the case most of the time. Instead, it's to Steve's point, Jeremy Swayman, you know, making big saves at the end. Uh, and and I've, I've said this a few times, almost lately, you felt like he's playing that Grant Fuhr uh, goalie game where the numbers don't look good and he gives up a bunch of goals, but he actually still plays well and either gets them the point or um, they win the game. Um, Steve, your takes, uh, from last night, what you liked, uh, I'm sorry, Mick, your takes from last night, what you liked, what you didn't like. And, uh, if you think this is a big step in the right direction for them. Yeah. It reminds me of Cujo, by the way, you know, the way the Leafs used to play in front of him 20 years yeah. ago, they really played on the front foot because they do, they had him back there. Yeah. That might be what the Bruins need to be. I mean, Swayman, I thought his best save of the night was in the second period uh, when Lowry deked like three guys and then went to pass an outlet to Carlo, but he peeled away at the exact wrong moment because they don't play together much. Right. So, so it winds up being a turnover and Swayman had to make an unbelievable save uh, to stop a goal in the second period there. But yeah, I, I got no issues with the goalies. Um, my big problem is when, when opponents start making their push and lock down those half wall plays, the outlets try and get out of the zone the Bruins just have a devil of a time trying to do anything but punt. And even when they do, the regroups and re-entries are way too fast. Last night, I was better than the last time I saw them. But but that's an issue going forward that they still five on five. When the other team wants to make a push, uh, if it's a good team, they're making those pushes and they're very formidable doing so. Way too much to make me think based on how much do the Bruins wear them down. Well, there's an adrenaline-fueled frenzied start to to the game sometimes for the Bruins where if they start well they start really really well and last night was one of those and and so much coming from the bottom six there uh, it was great to see uh not poo-pooing it by any stretch but but it's also one of those things that you know is short-lived and not sustainable so it gets you ahead but then the hard hockey that gets played for the rest of the game that's where they're not measuring up and that's where the concerns are so yeah, great start. Great. But I don't think the team's changing or sitting back or anything. I just don't think they cope well with the other team's pushes. I think that's, that's what I'm looking at. And we, so we're going to get a look at Toronto in the next couple of weeks with Le- Lea Bushkin is going to be in bolstering their right side. So we'll get a look at them with the defensive reinforcements and, and maybe get a little playoff preview there. Yeah. Pushes and also just hard forecheck, aggressive forecheck. You know, they, they continue to have trouble just breaking the puck out when anybody starts to apply pressure on them. And, and, you know, 
this is another one of those issues that goes back to last year against Florida in the playoffs that they continue to struggle with. There are certain things that they've continued to have problems with at certain times this year that remind me of some of the issues uh, that we saw during the playoffs last year against Florida. Um, you know, and I even to a degree thought, you know, that play with Allmark uh, where he tried to like throw it up the middle and threw it right into traffic into a body and it turns into an easy goal. That was, you know, that reminded me a little bit of some of the stuff that he was doing against Florida in the playoffs last year as well. Um, you know, when he was not keeping it simple and, and trying to do a little bit too much. Mo um, Larry the cheese. Yeah. So I thought that was interesting um, to, 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 to watch as well. But I, I think your point about, having difficulty breaking the puck out is totally apt. And I think it's been a big problem for them at times this year, especially with teams that are fast, physical and, and hard on the forecheck. Um, latest news for the Bruins, uh, Mark McLaughlin called up uh, Bill Rick is finest um, on emergency recall um, after practice, after media availability, um, clearly it, it, on emergency recall. So there's going to be some kind of injury or illness there. Um, his first call up of the year. Um, any insight into this, Steve? And, and uh, obviously, I think we all hope he gets in the lineup. But he hasn't had too many chances uh, the last couple of years. He's a hardworking kid that definitely deserves a look. Yeah, I, you know, I'm not sure who's banged up, um, but you know, there, there must uh, this time of year there, there's probably four or five question marks. You know. Yep. Um, so you know, hasn't had a great year down in Providence. Um, had an okay camp. Um, it, it's I, I don't think he's ever really bounced back from ha having that really good camp last year and yeah. then getting sent down. Yeah. Um, but he, I mean, like you said, he's a really good kid. Everybody seems to like him. Hardworking kid. Um, but, you know, I, I, I don't think he's a difference maker for this team. Um, uh, as, as, as Brazil was when he, when he got called up. Um, yeah. So we'll see, we'll, we'll see who the, who the question mark is tomorrow. Yeah, I mean, we'd all assume it's a bottom six guy. I think that's why you would call up McLaughlin. Yeah. We'll see what ends up being that uh, is a question mark. Um, but in that answers that like there were some people immediately they were like, how come it wasn't on Twitter saying maybe yeah. in Lysel, blah blah blah. It's like, well, they're they're two completely different players. McLaughlin yeah. can play center and wing. He's more of a bottom six kind of a guy kill penalties, play an energy line role, stuff like that. Things you're not going to put Fabian Lysel into as far as situationally. Um, but they're, you know, they're also on a two game road trip and they were down to 12 forwards. Yep. So oh, he could be just insurance. You know, we'll see. Yep. Yep. The pucks with hags podcast is powered by prize picks, the exclusive daily fantasy partner of the CLNS media network. Football season may be over, but the action on the floor is heating up, whether it's the tournament season or the fight for playoff home court. It goes beyond the hockey that we're talking about. We're talking about basketball as well. There's no shortage of high stakes basketball moments this time of year. Get in on the excitement with Prize Picks, America's number one fantasy sports app where you can turn your hoops knowledge into some serious cash. And what better way to also uh, pick players and go more or less than with uh, the some of the celebrity uh, prize picks favorite players like Meek Mill and Sugar Sean O'Malley. You can now find community plays under the promos tab of the app to view entries from some of the biggest names in the prize picks community each week. So what I'm trying to tell you is this is a pretty cool uh, daily f fantasy sports app. Um, 
you, it, it combines all kinds of different things with the sports and the fantasy that uh, I just love getting involved with. And I've, I've started talking, hearing more about prize picks as of recently too. So this is something you want to hop on board with now. Um, as I said before, it's fun and pretty simple. The app is easy to download. So download that prize picks app today and use the code CLNS for a first deposit match of up to $100. That's downloading the prize pick app and use the code CLNS for a first deposit match of up to $100. Pick more, pick less. It's that easy. Morgan Geeky hat trick, uh, Mick, last night. Um, he now has career highs uh, in points and goals this season, 13 goals, 30 points. Uh, he's on pace for about 17, 18 goals and, you know, 40-something points. Um Yet again, he has turned into, and he has been, one of those very good, uh, modest signing kind of players that the Bruins seem to excel in where um, they take a guy that they see playing certain roles on certain teams and say and project that he can be even a little bit better and the ceiling's a little higher. And maybe if we give him, you know, some third-line minutes, play him with some different players, move him around a little bit, try play him at center, you know, all that stuff, you can get a little more out of him. He becomes a really good bottom six kind of forward and, and for for me um watching him play some of the goals he scored last night watching him all season especially once he really got his footing and his confidence here i think he's the kind of player that's going to help you in the playoffs six three over 200 pounds big strong guy second third effort kind of guy um can can do a lot of different things for you is going to use size and strength around the net I had a great tip where he fought his way to the front of the net on, on Pasternak, even if he, he said it was kind of by accident and he wasn't where he wanted to be still, he was there. Um, that's where you need somebody in the, in the postseason is in that exact spot making plays. So um, just, I, I continue to be impressed by Morgan geeky and it's a hat tip to the NHL scouts uh, that saw him somewhere else and said, he'd be a good fit with the Bruins. Absolutely. They, they, they knew that they, that there was a player there that they didn't feel like Seattle had, explored his upside and they wanted to be the team that did it and what yep. a perfect season for them to acquire him and do so <laughs> i think it's good i think it's been a fantastic acquisition um it's it's uh it, it ranks among the really good ones of the don sweeney tenure um which is probably led by charlie coyle but this this one this one's been really excellent uh, i love how geeky brings an element of clumsiness to his game oh yeah but, He's it's got not, sneaky, it's not dazzlingly skillful. He doesn't look like a ballet dancer out there. Right, but he's got sneaky great hand eye. So yep. it's like there's a lot of that. Just he's such a good overall athlete that that um, while he's not a great skater, he gets there, and the puck tends to follow him through traffic, which is great. I love players like that. Uh, they can't all be like that, but it's great to have one on your team. That's a, a tremendous acquisition. And and as you know, of course, they love those guys who can play center and and wing. And he. And he he did that in the right shot when a perfect season to, to get another guy like that. Yeah, no doubt. And I, I keep forgetting that, um, you know, he's just 25 years old and he's still in RFA, um, albeit with arbitration rights, but he's still in RFA after this contract for $2 million a year is up following next season. So he, I think he's starting to carve himself into a, you know, a pretty good role with this team where if he keeps improving even a little bit more, he, he could become part of this uh, this core group with the team, Steve. Yeah, um, I think a lot of teams raise their eyebrows when when he didn't get uh, qualified last summer. I, I mean, that news broke on on uh, June thirtieth, I think, and next day Bruin signed him. Yeah, um, 
he brings a lot of good things. A lot, you know, he's kind of kind. Of, he's got an old school Manitoba, uh, you know, quality to him. You know, yep. what did we go? He, he went, what his jaw was out to here. You know, he says, "Oh, it's a long way from the heart." Yeah, I love all that stuff. One thing, if he's going to be on the first power play unit, he's got to work on faceoffs. You know, yeah, he was six for nineteen last night. You know that 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 power play, that late power play. You know. He lost the first first draw and it goes down down the end of the ice and you know he lose twenty seconds there. Um, but everything else about his game, I like a lot. I, I like a lot. And, and that, that first, first period one, was funny because he had two goals and he was one one out of six on the draw. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I, and you know the, the thing that impressed me on his first goal was that feathery uh, lead pass by Trent Freddy. Frederick. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, great, great instinctual play by both of those players where Geeky knew he got a piece of it by the blue line and that it was disrupting behind him and it was most likely going to go to somebody, you know, on his team. So he just takes off and then Freddie you know, like read it perfectly, too. That was great teamwork and play by both those guys. Yeah, yeah. I talked to Frederick about it today and in his usual style, he said, oh, yeah, you know, I, I didn't want to do this. I didn't want to do that. It, it was mostly luck. <laughs> his, his modesty might be too it might be over uh, detrimental you know i'd like to yeah. see I, I mean because we know it's there it's in him yeah i mean that's yeah. essentially i was talking to loco about the pass he made to boquist yesterday for that goal uh that he scored and he essentially said the same thing he's like I knew Brazil was somewhere near the post and I knew Boca Jesper was somewhere behind him, high slot or coming in towards the net. So I just threw it right down the middle and figured either one of the two was going to get it and make a play with it. So it was, you know, not exactly by design by him either, but he was just throwing it to an area where he, he knew something good was going to happen. That's just, you know, good hockey IQ. And, well, and the speed he plays, I think you got to think the game the way he thinks it. Absolutely. Um, I, I, Really liked, obviously, uh, the Mason Lowrise goal, the game winner, too. Um, I continue to see when he's on the power play, he makes things happen uh, when he gets out there on a power play unit. Uh, he looks really comfortable working the power play. I think it, having he and Shattenkirk both out there on that unit as, as the two points is extremely uh, good and dangerous, and they're both power play kind of players. And, and I just wonder if he continues to make plays and he continues to look good, because I think, obviously, his skill set is geared towards geared towards being a power play unit kind of guy. Um, does it come to a time where he becomes so good on the power play if he's in the lineup that you have to look at him on the first unit because of what he has, because of all the skills that he has, because he's going to be able to create plays. He's not afraid to take shots. He's definitely a guy that will shoot the puck when he's given the space to do it. Uh, he's really good and smooth moving it back and forth. You know, do you leave him on the second unit um, where he can be and maybe things will go through him and he can kind of be that old school power play quarterback from the defenseman position? Or do you put him on the first unit with all your best offensive players and, you know, try to recreate maybe what you had with Tory Krug when you had a true offensive defenseman uh, on the point on that power play that was willing to shoot the puck and maybe turn that power play even into a more dangerous unit than it is right now, Mick? Um, in theory, yeah. Uh, in practice, I don't like the idea. It's kind of late in the season, and I feel like if it did happen, two things concern me. One, Lowry would defer to the incumbent stars. He'd always want to be giving the puck back to Marciano Pasta yeah. or whoever he feels like he should. He'd do too much of that deferral stuff. 
and and you wouldn't have it in sync the way it would need to be to be the outcome that you're looking for there you see the potential for the other thing is is um uh i just feel like there's so much rotation and those guys are on the ice and interchangeable positions that low rise a guy that you need to be in a recovery spot and if that's also on his mind you know so i'm i'm thinking of ways it could go wrong uh and but i also see that we might wind up seeing what you're talking about in the playoffs but if we do it'll be a bad reason you know that they're desperate for something a lot of times you don't see things that you've been aching for all year until the playoffs because they finally reached out exhausted all their options and they're in trouble well, why not do it now then, you know, and, and get some reps now and get looks at it now. Uh, if you make that determination that low rise playing so well, that he's going to probably be sticking around um, and, and you're just putting him in the best spot he can be. And like the, you know, you mentioned the rotations, like the rotation was a bad thing last night. Cause it ended up with pasta as the lone man back up high on the point. And uh, a block shot later, it turned into a, a shorthanded goal at the other end of the ice. Um Steve, your thoughts on low ride, just where he fits on the power play and, and what they should do with him. Yeah, I, I don't, excuse me. I don't, I don't think McAvoy is the issue on that first power play unit. I think the issue is the, the, the four forward seem to be so spread out, you know, too often. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe, maybe McAvoy plays a part in that. I don't know. I, th- I, I think McAvoy's reluctance to shoot uh, chronically is definitely an issue and a problem. I think it just makes yeah. him a less than ideal point person on the power play. Yeah. I mean, it, it wasn't on the power play last night, but first period he was, he was shooting the lights out. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I think he's, you know, his strength is taking the puck down low on the right side and, and, and looking for, uh, for open guys in front of the net. And that's what he does very well. And usually when you see him, see him lug the puck down low, something good usually happens. Yep. Um, so I'd be reluctant to to yank him off the, off the power play. And you got to manage people too. He's, he's your horse. You know, he probably yep. wants to be there. I, yep. I, I, yep. I'm not sure I do that right now. I th- well, I think that you hit the nail on the head with that. I think that's the biggest reason why it's probably not going to happen is because you have star players on this team that, you know, want to be on that unit, uh, certainly can make plays on that unit and have the credentials to be on that unit. I just look at um, Lowry as just a pure offensive defenseman with like a different kind of skill set, a different kind of creativity um, and just the smoothness. He can go lateral with passes back and forth like he he looks like a classic like high point power play defenseman kind of guy. That, that you could put back there and you'll be back there for 10 years and just pile up points and, and the power play will be really efficient and, you know, high scoring and good with him. He just seems like that kind of defenseman to me, but I think you're right. I think, you know, we're talking about human beings. We're talking about team chemistry and like everything else. And I think that's a massive consideration um, is putting a kid like that on the first power play unit. And maybe you put it like a McAvoy in the second. And is that going to be uh, okay with everybody? I think that's definitely a consideration. Um Interesting stuff from Don Sweeney and Cam Neely over the last few days. Uh, Don Sweeney on Nesson, Cam Neely uh, to the athletic, but both like on the same vein. And you, uh, Steve, Mick, we've all talked about this a lot. Um, The need for physicality, the need for heavy players, the need for, you know, a better, uh, another defenseman to add to the group, especially a guy that can help them get stops and crunch time in third periods to keep them, you know, from going to all these overtime and and overtimes and blowing the leads. Um, Here's what Don Sweeney had to say on Nesson. 
We've always put forth that we want to be a highly competitive team. There's the physical part of the game that we're lacking at times. Maybe we'd like to try and address that. We've tried to use our depth throughout the organization. A lot of guys have done a tremendous job in that regard, but we may have to look outside to find some. And Neely said uh, another stiff defender would be good. You could always use help on offense. Obviously, I like the size of Brazil. That an, adds an element to the bottom part of the lineup we haven't had for a while. Richard, I love his speed and tenacity. He's more physical than I anticipated him being, which is a good thing. That's an element where we could probably play a little more physical than we have. I'm not talking about put somebody in the third row, but just creating a little more anxiety. It really feels to me like they are lining up to get a couple of players, not exactly like last year, but similar to last year when they pulled off the trade with Washington and they got Hathaway and they got Orlov, two physical players, heavy players, playoff style players, obviously it didn't work last year. Um, but I think it, they're on the right track. And I like hearing these kind of things from them in terms of what they think they need to do uh, to add to this year's group. Steve, uh, do you think that they're on the right track with what they're saying here? Absolutely. And, you know, they signed Milan Lucci for a reason, right? Right. You know, they, they... They needed that piece, and uh, you know, for obvious reasons, you know, he's he's not available to them now. Um, so yeah, they have to look at something like that. Maybe not a Lucci's type. Maybe he's a guy on the back end, but somebody right. who brings a little fear factor to to the proceedings. Um, yeah. I I mean, I I would probably go defense route on that uh, just because that's what they need anyway. Um, so yeah, that, that, that bang on, uh, Nick sealer is a guy that's popped up recently, Mick, uh, defenseman in Philly, uh, definitely got plenty of penalty minutes, good size, Minnesota kid, uh, left shot. Um, is that somebody you think could fit, uh, some kind of bill for the Boston Bruins if he was in play, uh, in trade talks? I don't know what <laughs> to say. Um, when I've watched Philadelphia, um, a guy who plays with swagger, might not be a good defender. Um, so I want a guy who's, if it's going to be a defenseman, he's got to be able to defend. And, yep. and you know, in all the technical senses, uh, he's got to be very reliable in that spot and be able to shut down. Uh, I feel like that's what they need back there uh, to play with McAvoy and, and, and with a mean edge would be great. Um I also think that the Bruins terribly lack an ability to wear down opponents and create that anxiety on the puck retrievals. Uh, they don't wear down if defensemen. Theirs get worn down. To me, that's the, been the storyline of most of their playoff losses in this era. And and until that's addressed effectively, and you always wind <laughs> up doing more than you thought when you get to the playoffs and you go on a big, deep run. And so yep. for me... Yeah, let's do it. I'd like to see a second liner who can forecheck and scare defensemen and uh, create those turnovers. And uh, and a defenseman on the left with a left shot that can play with McAvoy and add some snarl there and play at that level. Those would be the two top priorities for this hockey team. Uh, anything, any forwards you you have in mind, Mick, or somebody you've seen that you think um, would be that wear down, forecheck, disruptor? Uh, kind of player that you think uh, they should target or somebody that you like? No, that's been the hardest part for me is is identifying. Watching games, 
looking at teams that are sellers right now and saying, could we pluck, could you pluck this guy? Is this guy got the right contractual situation? Does he have the right stage of his development? Is he in the right spot in his career? And and I'm having a hard time with that. I don't really know if that's a solvable thing at this deadline or anything that can be really effectively addressed at this deadline. Um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not terribly confident about that part of it right now. I, I feel certain about the need. I don't feel certain about the solution. Yeah. Um, I think, uh, it's, I, I, they definitely, I mean, there's a lot of, the thing is there's a lot of players that can fill that need too. You know, there's more than I guess we realize out there that they could potentially be available. I guess the good news is if they're looking for heavy, uh, bruiser fear factor kind of players, it's not going to cost them an arm and a leg. Um, and I think, you know, just looking at the, the, what the flames got for Tanev, the fact that they couldn't get a first round pick for him. Um, I think in some ways that bodes a little well for the, the trade market, the prices, all that stuff, uh, Steve, as far as what the Bruins are going to have to pay. And, and they're probably going to be able to get what they want without, um, you know, having the draft pick high end draft pick assets or real, you know, having to part with prospects. They don't want to part with these are doable moves that I think they're going to be able to make at the deadline. Yeah, but they're going to have to move money out. Yep. Right. Um, yep. And you move out, you know, there are people who like say, oh, just get rid of Grizzly and Forbit and that'll take care of everything. I mean, that means you got to, you need to bring two defensemen back. You know, you need defensemen in the playoffs. Yep. Um, the, the only way to really clear up cap space, get something back in return with that maybe you can flip for a, a, a player is if you move all market. Um, and that's, you know, that's a gamble, but you know, every trade is a gamble. Um, so, you know, will they do that? How much would that mess with Swayman if they did that? Um, because, uh, you know, we, we all know the symbiotic relationship, um, and how, how they've rotated all season, you know, that's, that's something they're going to have to gauge, but, uh, you know, I'd be shocked if they're not looking at it right now. And, yeah. and let, let me also say, say that. Half the league, you can't trade them to trade right. Almar to, and then there are how many teams left need the goalie and right. will pay for the goalie. There's like a couple of teams, you know, right? And it's going to be pennies on the dollar. You probably get more for them in the summertime if you try to trade them than you would right now. The goal, goalie market's never great as far as trades go, anyway. Um, but I mean, the trading of Grizzlick. Like you say, you're you're trading away a defenseman, but you'd be also trading for a defenseman if you were trading him away, right? So, if you had to trade him for cap space to make a couple of other deals and bring somebody in, I, I would be in favor of that only because I think you know, Grizzlick has not had the greatest season. Grizzlick is not is is somebody that's always been a bit of a liability in his own end in the playoffs. And either, you know, he's gotten hurt uh, a few times in the playoffs and also like gets attacked and exploited in his own zone in the playoffs. And if you're getting a bigger, stronger defender and sort of upgrading while, you know, the money is wash is a wash or you're able to move his money to bring in a forward and a D, um, you know, uh, at the trade deadline, I think you have to do that. I, I I just think there's too much that there's too many moving parts in my mind for Allmark to make the deal work. You know, I think that yeah. that's a high degree of difficulty for them moving Allmark, getting something for him, making all these other moves, like doing a flurry of like three or four different things uh, to try to make stuff like that happen. 
Yeah, I, I'm not sure Grizzlick's value is all that high for right, some right. of the reasons that, that you ticked off. Yeah, he said he's on an expiring contract. Yeah, you know, man. it's you know, it's it's not like you know some team you know, you know, and also ran is going to you know pony up to get him. No, um, you'd be you'd be trading him for the cap space. You'd be trading him for yeah. a draft pick for the cap yeah. space, make other moves. Yeah. That's what you'd be doing. There's no question about it. So he, so you have to add value to that then. What's that? Take, well, in order to get a team to take Grizzlick's cap. You'd well, have no, I, mean, I think he has that. value for yeah, like you'd have to, you'd have to throw. You probably have to throw in a, a, a draft pick of your own. I agree. Maybe, maybe. If you think his value is that low that you would have to like throw it, somebody's looking at him as a, as a salary cap, um, you know, weight, uh, the, the, an albatross thrown around somebody's. Just, uh, just, be, just because uh, of the circumstances. Yeah. If your team's looking at the Boston Bruins and saying, okay, They've considered this guy a non-solution and need to move him out to upgrade. Then that means that why would any other contender be looking at him? And what expiring contract has any value if it's not to a contender? Uh, and otherwise, you've got to compensate further and make them. And then you're dealing cap space instead of the player if it's not going to a contender. In which case, you're doing what Steve said and giving a, and sending a draft pick or a prospect. Potentially, so potentially. I mean, I, I still think there's value in Grizzlick for a team that needs a puck moving defenseman. Yes, he's had a down year, but he's got a track record of being top four defenseman in the league and being, league and being able to move the puck. Um, but I, I think the, the points you're making are, are you know, well, are well it's, thought it's out. It's the timing and the yeah. optics. I agree with you on Grizzlick. It's the timing and the optics. Yeah. It's, you know, that in. But I agree that with Steve that I think that the Allmark thing is going to be the only ticket that they would have in order to do a kind of impactful upgrade that they could make to a top four position on defense. Yeah, You got to rob Peter to pay Paul. And if you're going to see if Swayman can handle it next year anyway without Allmark, because Swayman ain't going to get his career contract and you're going to keep Allmark, right? Do we agree no, on that? Correct. Yeah, right. correct. Well, so no, I think, I think Allmark's before. gone this summertime regardless of what happens. <laughs> okay, so then, so then yeah. what, to me, to me, if you know that you're not, if you know, and I hope they know, that you're not contending for the Stanley Cup as is, and this is your only ticket, and I agree with Steve, this is your ticket to a significant upgrade in either the forward position or the defense position, then... To me, it's like, what are you waiting for? Well, I don't, I don't understand. To me, it's like you know, you get this guy's not going to play for you next year. I mean, he's going. You're going to make a move. Why you forfeit your opportunity this year from the position you're in in the standings to to improve your team and take a run at this thing? I think uh, it also takes away the headache of a potential goalie controversy brewing in the playoffs if you try to go with this. Um, goalie rotation every other game you know thing that they theory that they've talked about like for most of the season which I just think in practicality is not going to work um, especially if like you give Swayman a start in game one and he plays great are you really going to go away from him in game two and go go with a strict goalie rotation because you tied yourself to that uh, before the postseason started and said we need to try this I don't think so I don't think any coach is going to do yeah, that yeah I mean you didn't go through all sorts of permutations like what happens if goalie one perhaps the bed in in game one you'd make the switch two is lights out in game two you go back to goalie one in game right. three right yeah, you know, exactly. it's, just, it, it's just no hockey coach is going to do that yeah <laughs> 
He's not going to let the the pocket protector brigade tell him that he's going to go back to that guy in game three because we got to stick to that strict goalie rotation that we said we were going to do to, you know, try to prove to the rest of the NHL that it's doable and that it's the uh, the new wave of uh, yeah. of playoff goalie rotations. No way. Now, this is we know the story ends. So I, as far as I'm concerned, the Bruins have an opportunity here with the brusque, with all mark to make moves to trend. And even if they don't wind up setting you up and you lose a year of, of all marks, uh, you know, being tethered to him for a guy who can walk, I think it's worth it. Um, they're at a position here. They've had a good season way better than I thought could have happened. Just like last year, way better than I thought could have happened. Absolutely. And now that they're there. I'm I'm like, you know what? Let's let's stop worrying about the room and let's stop worrying about all these other things because we've seen this team's fatal flaws. They're right in front of us. They're staring us in the face. Let's do this. And if you can get yeah. hand on this team, I would give up next year's Elmark uh contract to get Hannafin on this team, not knowing that I could have him beyond this year. I would do it. Mm, I don't know about that. We're, we're, I'm not sure. I'm not sure about that. And, I, and I don't know. I don't know if, if if Calgary is on his no trade list. It usually is on everybody's no trade list. I was going to say, <laughs> you know, those, those seven Canadian teams. Buffalo, Calgary, and Edmonton are on the no trade list. I would say those are all pretty good bets. We uh, have three team all three of those teams <laughs> would be on there. Um, yeah, all right. Thank you very much, guys. I appreciate it. Uh, great talk, uh, as always. Uh, on the Boston Bruins. Uh, I want to thank our sponsors, Prize Picks, the, the largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America and the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Instead of battling thousands of other star players that could be bros, pros or sharks, you simply pick more or less than than on a two to six player stat projection and watch the w- winnings roll in. Uh, so download the Prize Picks app today and use the code CLNS for a first deposit match of up to $100. That's download the prize picks app today. Totally easy to use. And then punch in the code CLNS for a first deposit match of up to $100. Steve, Mick, thank you very much. Appreciate it, guys. Thank All you. right. Thanks, Joe. Thanks, and Mick. everybody else out there, thanks for listening. We'll see you at the rink.